Well, good morning, Orchard. Hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving, or was it spring break this week? It feels more like spring break, doesn't it? I was putting up Christmas lights yesterday in shorts. Pretty crazy. So if you've got family and friends from out of town up north uh, visiting for Thanksgiving, welcome to Denver. You're welcome. We brought you some nice weather. Hey, take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 21 in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Welcome to our second week in our new facility. Who's excited to be at church? today. Awesome. Let me ask you guys a question by a show of hands. Um, I want to take a poll this morning because today we're talking about the church. What is the, the church? The church is. Uh, how many of you would say you grew up in church? For the most part, you've been in church most of your life. Grew up in church? Okay, awesome. Put your hands down. How many would say I'm newer to church or maybe didn't start going until adult life, college life? You start going then, raise your hand. Newer to church? Awesome. Uh, so those of you that know my story, I grew up in church. I was one of those kids that I was pretty much in church from the womb. You know, I was born and then boom, I was in church. And I grew up in one of those churches that, man, we went to church all the time. Some of you may remember this. First, we started out with what we called Sunday school. Um, we remember the little flannel graph. You remember those, some of you? And we did the flannel graph. And then after Sunday school, you would go to big church. And that's where I went to a church where we had pews. And I would always make sure I had a long enough pew where I could lay down and I would sleep through the whole message. None of you do that today, okay? Please don't do that. Um, if you, how many of y'all did that as a kid? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm keeping an eye on you folks today during this message. Make sure you're not sleeping, but we, we'd have Sunday school, and then we'd have big church, and then we'd, we'd go home, we'd eat lunch, we'd take a quick nap, and then we'd come back for choir practice, and then we'd have Sunday night church, and then Monday night we'd have visitation, visiting all the guests in our home. We don't do that, guests. Don't worry. We're not going to show up unannounced on your doorstep. Wednesday night we would have um, another kind of church on Wednesday night, and kids had this thing called a WANA a program, and then Saturday we would do other things in the church when I was in my youth group. Um, we would have Friday night events. I I grew up in the church. My first slow dance was to our God is an awesome God. You know, in middle school, like this. High school, you know, it's more like this, you know, but uh, we won't go there. But I mean, I, I was always in church. And one of the things I learned growing up in church is that if we're not careful, we can get so busy doing church, we forget to be the church. Amen? Anybody with me? We get so busy doing church, we forget to, to be the church. And I know some people are thinking that now that Orchard Church has gone from portable to permanent, and now we have our own building and a facility, now we're finally a church. But we know the truth is we've been a church for 12 years. The church is not about a place, it's about the people. The, the church is not about where, it's about who. And I just felt like the Lord really laid on my heart um, today to talk about the church. What is the church? Now that we do have a facility, well, what does it mean to be the church? Because buildings don't minister to people, people minister to people. And so what is the church's purpose? Uh, the word church comes from a Greek Latin word called ekklesia. You have this in your notes, ekklesia. It means an assembly of believers, people who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what an ekklesia is. I said last week that this building finally felt like a home because last week the family showed up, the family of God, the, the church of God. And that's what the church is. It's, it's about the people. And there's a lot of different metaphors and, and descriptions 
and imagery in the Bible to describe what we know today as, as the church. Uh, sometimes in the Bible, the church is described as a flock, and we're, we're like the sheep. Um, sometimes the Bible describes the church as the family uh, of God. Sometimes it describes us as the body of Christ. Uh, one place Paul talks about that the church is not a building made out of bricks and mortar, but we are living stones as the church. We are living, breathing stones. Not the rolling stones, living stones that, that the church is, is built upon. And then there's this one description, this metaphor I want to talk about today that sometimes is peculiar and trips people up. And if you're new to church, this might be something you haven't heard before and might seem kind of strange to you. But sometimes the Bible describes the church as the bride. If you know what I'm talking about, say yes. The, the bride, the bride of Christ. And, and God likes to use these um, metaphors and things in the natural to teach us something supernatural. And, and I believe one of the reasons that God uses the description of the church, all of us, as the bride of Christ is because he wants us to understand the kind of relationship that he wants to have with each and every one of us and how much he loves us. And he calls us the bride, the bride of Christ. If you've come to Orchard any time or if you're new to Orchard, you're going to hear me say this over and over. If you're looking for religion today, if you're looking for a religious church, religious pastor, religious people, you've come to the wrong place. Because here at Orchard, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can we give God praise for that this morning, church? Amen. And so... One of those relationships is described in the Bible as the bride, the bride of Christ. Now, when I think of a bride, I naturally think of my bride. I think of my wife, uh, Shelly. And so for those of you that may be new to Orchard, we're going to put a picture. There's my wife, Shelly. Everybody, can we just give it up for that beautiful lady right there? That is my bride. Uh, Shelly, and uh, she has been my bride going on 25 years. This Christmas, December 26th, we'll celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary, and we're, we're looking forward to that. We're excited about that. But I remember when Shelly and I first met, when we first started dating and, and what attracted me to her, I actually met my wife, Shelly, in church. There's a lot of good reasons to go to church. Finding a wife is one of the good reasons. And I met her in church. It was in the early 90s. And if I'm being keeping it real, we keep it real here at Orchard, one of the things that attracted me to her was she had the, this most beautiful, flowing, early 90s hair. So let me show you a picture. This was Shelly and I. Come on now. This was in 1992, and that is your pastor's feeble attempt at the Tom Cruise look that failed. I don't know what is happening there. Somebody said, you guys look 12 in that picture. So it's coming in handy as I'm getting a little older and later in life. But uh, that was the year uh, that we started dating, and we got married, and, and we've been married 25 years, and that, that is as my beautiful bride, Shelly. And, you know, can you imagine if somebody were to come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Doug, I really like you. I love you as my pastor. I think you're great. But i got to tell you the truth. I really don't care for your bride. You know, I really don't like your wife. How many of you would know that we would probably have a difficult conversation at that point? I'd be like, what? What are you talking about? You're talking about my bride. You're talking about my wife. Now, the Bible describes us as the church, as the bride of Christ. And so let me say it this way. You can't say you love Jesus, but you don't love his church. You know, I love Jesus, but I don't really care for the church. Sometimes people say, you know, I'm a Christ follower. I love Jesus, but, you know, I don't really like the church. The church is boring. Not Orchard Church, amen? Amen. 
At Orchard, we feel like it's a sin for church to be boring. It's okay to have fun in church. People say, well, I, I love Jesus and I'm a G Christ follower, but you know, I don't really like the church because the church is full of hypocrites. Oh, you're just now figuring that out? <laughs> no, duh. You know why the church is full of hypocrites? Because it's full of people like you and like me. And people tend to say one thing and do something different. We are hypocrites many times in our life. But thank God our God is not a hypocrite. Amen? And, and, and we, are his, we are his bride. And so I want us to read about this description that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. And then we're going to unpack this a little bit today. What does it mean to be the bride of Christ, the church? What is the church? And he says in Ephesians 5, 21, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And, and he's using the physical, the, the husband-wife relationship to describe the supernatural, the church as the bride. He says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of, help me out, the church. He is savior of his body, help me, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Okay, men, hold up right there for a second before you start amening and using the spiritual elbow, okay? Because yours is coming. Then he talks to the men. Men like to stop at verse 24, but we need to go on to verse 25, men. For husbands, this means, help me out, men, love your wives. How should we love our wives? Just as Christ, help me out, loved the church. You see the picture. He gave up his life for her. See, so many times we come to this passage only when we're talking about marriage, sermon series, or, or, or marriage retreats. But really, God's just using, Paul's just using the imagery of the husband-wife relationship to help us understand the relationship that Jesus wants with his church, with his bride. He goes on and says, he, did, he gave up his life for her. For who? The church. To make her holy and clean, washed in the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present him to to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Uh, ladies, would you agree men definitely love themselves? Amen? Okay, so men, we need to love our wives as much as we love ourselves. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for who? The church. Come on, don't sleep on me. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now watch this, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. If you get it, say yes. He's giving us an illustration, a description. He says, I want you to understand what it means to be the church, the bride of Christ. If you're taking notes this morning, let me give you two reasons why the church is called the bride of Christ. Two reasons. And, and I just heard a statistic this week that 98% of people who take notes in church make it to heaven. Okay? So I just want to help you guys out. All right? So you might want to take some notes. All right? So two reasons... Why Paul describes the church as the bride of Christ. The first reason is because of intimacy. 
because of intimacy. In, in verse 25, the first part of that verse, it says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ, what? Loved the church. He wants a loving relationship with us like a bride has with her husband. I can't think of any more intimate relationship than what God designed to take place between a husband and a wife inside of the marriage relationship. And he says, that's what I want to have with you. Now, some of you men are checking out on me right now, and you're like, whoa, dude, hang on, man. I'm not into this God romancing me and being a bride thing. It's an illustration, okay? It's a picture. It's okay. But God wants this intimate relationship with us. A great way to remember the word intimacy is into me you see. Into me you see, that you know everything about me, you understand everything about me, you see everything about me, that there's, it's full of trust. A marriage is based on love and it's based on trust. And that's what God wants in our relationship with him, a marriage built on love and built on trust. I know I, I say to you, our church, Orchard, to you guys all the time, I love you, and I do, and I mean that. When I say I love you, I mean I love you. But how many of you understand that when I say I love Shelly, my bride, it's a different kind of love? Amen? I love her in a different way than I love all of you. And I think what Jesus is trying to tell us here in Ephesians 5 is that Jesus says, listen, I want to love you in a different kind of way, a special, unique kind of way, full of intimacy, the deepest kind of love, the deepest kind of trust. God, listen, this will help some of you and encourage some of you today. Jesus wants to know the real you. Not the fake you, not the Facebook picture of you, not the church version of you, the real you in an intimate way. How many of you know when you're dating someone, we date the projected self. We marry the real self. You know, I mean, when you're dating, you're like talking on the phone. Oh, you like pizza? Oh, I like pizza. You like blue? Oh, I love blue. You like sports? Oh, I like sports. Oh, okay. You, you like the weather? I like the weather. Okay, well, I love you. Okay, good night. All right, bye. Are you still there? Did you hang up? I didn't hang up. No, you, you say it. You go first. You, we do, did you, I did that kind of crazy stuff. And then we get married, and then one day we wake up and we go, who is this? We date the projected self. We marry the real self. And Jesus wants to know the real you in a real, loving, trusting, intimate way as the bride of Christ. The first reason I believe we're referred to as the bride of Christ is because of the intimacy that God wants us to experience between us and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the second reason if you're taking notes. Not only intimacy, but because of security. Security. Intimacy and then security. In the second part of verse 25, speaking of Jesus who loved the church, it says he gave up his life for her, the church, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word, which means we needed to be washed. We needed to be cleaned up. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Jesus gave up his life for the church for the bride, for you and for I to protect us and to secure us. And what was he protecting us from? He was protecting us from being separated from God for all eternity. And a lot of churches don't like to talk about this and they don't like to say this, but because here at Orchard Church, our number one value is what does the Bible say? I am going to say this, that Jesus Christ protected us from hell, from eternal separation and damnation from God. Because he loved us and he wanted to secure us 
for all eternity. And he was willing to go to great lengths to do that, to die for us, to put his life on the line. I know that as you guys look at me today, and especially on the screens now, I look pretty intimidating. I, I understand. You know, I, I have been working out a little extra, especially around the holidays, so I can eat what I want. But uh, I've shared this story before, but a lot of you are new and you haven't heard this. Uh, when, I, when I was growing up and I was in high school and college, I always tried to pick the biggest guys in my class as my friends. Okay, I might have been small, but I was smart. Okay, and uh, I remember when I was in college, I had this, this friend of mine, and one night we, we had come home uh, from college, it was in the summer, and I think it was a Saturday night, and, and we went and we're hanging out with college students, and, and we went to this dance, and we were at this dance place, and we were dancing, and I, I believe it or not, your pastor in the 90s had some moves, okay? <laughs> I, I feel like I still do have some moves, but my kids tell me, Dad, put them away, Okay. Put, put them away. But in the 90s, I had some moves. And this was before I met Shelly. I wasn't married yet. And I was at this dance club. And I was dancing. And we were just a bunch of friends. And we were dancing. And all of a sudden, I guess this one girl saw my smooth dance moves. And she was impressed. And she came up and actually asked me to dance with her. And I was like, sure. And she had some pretty nice moves, too. So we were dancing for like an hour. And then they took a break. And so, you know, you're all hot and sweating. So we go outside. She went her way. And I went my way. That was kind of the end of it. And I'm standing outside with my friend who's much bigger than me, which doesn't, it's not hard to do. And so he's standing there, and we're standing in a circle, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear this smack. And I turn around, and my friend is laying on the ground, and he's writhing in pain, and this big dude has come up behind him and socked him. He just sucker punched him from behind. What I didn't realize at the time was he took out the big guy to get to me. So he took out the big friend first. So he whips me around. He's like, hey, man, what do you think you're doing? I'm like, I'm just trying to cool off. What, what's your problem, man? And I would gotten really good at my life of talking my way out of fights and stuff, okay? Because I do kind of have a big mouth. And, and no amens, please. And so I, I was like, hey, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. What's, what's going on? I didn't know who this guy was. He goes, you know that girl that you were in there dancing with? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know who she was. He goes, that's my girlfriend. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was your girlfriend. Hey, I'm sorry if I've got better dance moves than you and she wanted. I didn't say that. <laughs> I wanted to, but I was smart enough not to. I said, listen, man, I didn't know she had a girlfriend. I didn't see you anywhere around. And I, and I was starting to back away. And I thought I had talked myself out of the fight. And about that time, the guy just loses his cool. And boom, he decks me. But unlike my bigger friend, I didn't fall down. I ran. <laughs> I was smart. I was out of there. My friend's laying on the ground crying. Later, I finally caught up my friends. You just left me there. I'm like, man, I was out of there, dude. But how many of you know, if my wife, Shelly, had been there, and that guy had tried to do something to my wife, I would have fought to the death. You don't mess with my wife. You don't mess with my bride. I don't care what size I am. You know, listen, I, I, hey, I wrestled in high school. I got three moves. I could take you on. If it's my wife... It's a different story because she's my responsibility. I love her. I'm going to provide her security. I'm going to protect her. If it's one of my kids, I'm going to protect them. And some of you desperately need to hear this today. That's how much God loves you. 
That's what God wants for you. He wants you to experience that kind of relationship. God loves you so much. He's willing to protect you and, and provide security for you. He'll do anything for you. And he did that. He proved that because he went to the cross and died for you. If you've ever wondered how much Jesus loves you, then just look at the cross. He stretched out his arms and he said, I love you this much. Amen? Enough to die for you, to provide not just your security now, but eternal security forever. And he cleaned us up. He removed our sin. He forgave our sin so he could present us to God as a spotless, glorious, righteous, forgiven, redeemed bride of Christ. That's our Savior. Can we give him praise for that this morning? Amen. Amen. The church is called the bride of Christ because of intimacy. The relationship he wants to have with us is because of security and how he has protected us. But we have a value. One of our values here at Orchard Church is that we give our best to God because he gave his best for us. That's what he's done for us. Now let's spend the rest of our time and let's talk about what he wants us to do for him. Well, what are the three purposes of the church? You have them in your notes. The first one is this. I believe the first purpose of the church is that we are to minister to God. That we are to minister to God, the one who has ministered to us. That's why we're here today. That's why we begin all our services and praise and worship. Can we just give it up for our amazing worship team here at Orchard? Don't they do a great job? We, we start out in praise and worship because we're here first and foremost to minister to our God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people, that God likes to hang out where his people are singing worship and praise to him. We want him to want to hang out here, amen? We want his presence to be known. The, it, Jesus said it this way in John 4, uh, 23. We're going to put it on the screen. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And let's say this together. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way that will worship him that way, in spirit and in truth, that God is looking down for true worshipers, and we want him to find that here at Orchard Church. You know, some of you may be coming to this new facility, maybe it's your first week, maybe it's your second week, and maybe you go, man, we got, we got this new sound system, and we got these screens, and we got these lights, and we got a little smoke machine and all that. It almost feels a little bit like a concert now. Well, I got news for you. It is a concert, not for you and I. It's a concert for our God. Every Sunday as we come to worship and praise Him. Hey, if we're going to clap, let's clap, all right? That's what this is. This is not all for us. This is all for Him as we minister to Him. You know, someone asked us um, an interesting question, and we thought about it, and, and our answer kind of changed. Someone said, hey, we hadn't moved into the building yet, and they asked, are we going to have a choir in the new building? You know, now that we're going to have our own place, and some churches do that, and some don't, whatever. And we said, well, you know, right now we don't have any immediate plans to have a choir. And then we thought about it, and we said, no, wait a minute. Actually, we do have a choir. We have like about a 3,000-voice choir that assembles here every week to praise and worship God. You guys didn't show up for church today. You showed up for choir practice. Amen? This, you're the choir. We're the choir as we minister to God. And listen, if you don't enjoy the praise and worship, and I know most of you do, but if you don't, I don't know how else to say this, but to keep it real, you're going to be really bummed in heaven because this is what we're going to be doing. And I believe God's sound system and light show is going to make ours look puny. We're, we're not here first and foremost, Orchard Church. For us, we're here for God. We're here to worship him, to praise him, to minister to our God. One of our values at Orchard Church is that we are church contributors, not consumers. 
I urge you not to come to church with a consumer mindset. This isn't for us. This is all for him. Another way to put it is this. When you come to church every Sunday, do you come as an expector or an inspector? I'm going to let that just marinate for a moment. Do you come to church as an expector, expecting to worship and praise God and minister to him? Or do you come as an inspector? Well, I don't like this. I don't like that. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? God wants us to come in as expector, expecting, expecting God to do great things and being an expector of worshiping God and ministering to God. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 69, verse 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will what? Magnify him with thanksgiving. We just celebrate thanksgiving. Here's the question. What are you magnifying today? Are you magnifying the problem or are you magnifying the answer? And the answer is Jesus. Amen? The answer is Jesus. So what are the the purposes of the church? Three of them. The first one is that we minister to God. The second purpose of the church is that we minister to one another. Not only do we minister to God first, but then we minister to one another, to believers each and every Sunday. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. Okay, not some of it, not most of it. All Scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired comes from the Greek pneumotheos, means God breathed. All Scripture is inspired, God breathed by God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I don't know about you guys, but I need that. I need to know what is right. I need to know what is wrong. It corrects us. What does? The Scriptures. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So we have a right relationship with God. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When we come in here each and every Sunday, the first way that we minister to one another is through the preaching and teaching of this book, of God's word, to tell us where we're right, to tell us where we're wrong, so we can get in a right relationship with God. Preaching is is one of the ways that we minister to one another each and every Sunday. That's why we want the Word of God to always take center stage in this church. And it's amazing that God loves us so much, He wants such an intimate relationship with us that God's Word and God's Spirit can speak to each and every person uniquely every single Sunday. That's one of the things we hear from people at Orchard Church, that, man, I feel like you're speaking to me every single week. A lot of times I'll stand outside after the service and people come by and say, hey, Thank you for the message. This is how God spoke to me. And it'll be amazing. I'll have 10, 15, 20 different ways that God's word has spoken to someone. And and, and it's all different. And it's all unique. And it's all individual how God ministers to each of us individually. And, And sometimes people will say that God spoke to them in a certain way. And I'm like, I didn't even talk about that today. I didn't even allude to that. That's the power of God's word and God's spirit that ministers to each and every one of us. And this is how God corporately ministers to us. But then we have a responsibility as the church, as believers in Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to minister to one another individually. And this primarily takes place outside of this building and outside of these Sunday services. In the Bible, there are over 59 one another commands where the Bible says to do this for one another, to minister to one another. The Bible tells us to love one another, care for one another, serve one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, help one another. And that's difficult for us to do on, on a Sunday morning. And this is why we tell you, if you just come to Orchard Church and you only come to Sunday morning and you sit here and you leave and that's it, 
you're probably not going to feel ministered to that often, other than just what you hear in the preaching. But God wants you to be individually ministered to by the other people in the body. This is why we encourage you to get involved in serving, because when you serve with other believers, you get to know other believers and you minister together. This is why we encourage you to get into a small group, into a home throughout the week, 10, 15 people where you can minister to one another, love and care and pray for one another. Be a part of discipleship, where a man is paired with another man, a lady is a paired with another lady in our discipleship ministry, and they minister to you, and you grow in the Word of God together. Because God wants us to minister to one another. We have that responsibility. And I was reminded of how important this is. Just a couple of weeks ago, Shelly and I decided this semester to host a small group. Uh, for the last couple of years, we haven't hosted a group in our home so we could visit different groups and get to know uh, different people in the church. And we just said, you know, let's just host one this time and get people back, back in our home. And so we reached out to people that were new to Orchard Church just in the, the last three to six months. And we invited them to our small group. And we got to know these wonderful, beautiful, loving people. We, we got to know their stories and how they've come to Orchard and how they've found Christ and how they're growing in the walk with the Lord, and it's just been amazing. But two weeks ago, there was a man in our, our, our small group, his name is Greg, and, and we knew he hadn't been feeling well, and he decided to finally go to the doctor, and he went to the doctor, and, and it was on a Wednesday afternoon, and our small group is on Wednesday night. He went to the doctor, and he found out that he had um, cancer of the liver and pancreas, and it was very bad. And he said, for just a moment, I thought, well, I'm not going to go to small group tonight. And then he said, as soon as I thought that, I felt like God said, no, that's, that's exactly where you need to be tonight. You need people to minister to you. And he showed up, him and his wife, to our small group, and he shared with our group the news that he had just found out. And the most beautiful thing happened. Our group got up right then. We circled around Greg. We laid hands on him, and we prayed for him. We prayed for healing. We prayed for strength. We prayed for grace. We prayed for mercy. We prayed for encouragement. It was one of the most beautiful things that has happened in a long time as we ministered to one another. Greg is now in the hospital in ICU and probably isn't going to live much longer. I encourage you to pray for him, pray for his wife, Becky, but one of the things the family has been saying, they had been out of church for a long time. They were looking for a church that they could go to get together. And they said, we have no idea what we would do right now in our life without Orchard Church and without our small group. As we've been ministering to them and praying for them, providing meals for them. And, and we all need that. We need to do that for others and we need that done for us. You know, if you're new to Orchard Church, because of the size of our church and multiple services, you're not going to know everyone at Orchard Church. But you can know someone. And someone can know you. Amen? Get connected. You say, well, where do I start? We've got a class called Starting Point. Start there, and you can find out how to serve, how to get in small groups, how to be ministered to. So what is the purpose of the church? First of all, the purpose of the church is that we come every Sunday and we minister to our God. The second purpose of the church is that we minister to one another. And then the third purpose of the church, if you're taking notes, is that we minister to the world. We minister to the world. That we live on mission. That we don't just do church, but that we are the church. That we don't get so busy doing church, we forget to be the church. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. What's the first word, church? Help me out. Go. Everybody say go. go. Didn't, didn't say stay. Didn't say just hang out. He said go where? Into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. You see, church, we gather on Sunday so we can scatter the rest of the week. To go into our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our families and friends and schools to tell people the good news 
of Jesus Christ and what he has done in our lives. We have a responsibility to minister to the world, to live on mission as the church. Our mission here at Orchard Church is to help people what? Find and follow Jesus. That was pathetic, okay? I'm going to give you another opportunity. Our mission at Orchard Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's, that's not just my mission or our staff's mission or those who serve. It's all of our mission. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we're the bride. We're the church. Jesus said, go into all the world. Tell the good news. And I know that freaks some of you out. You're like, I don't know how to share the gospel. What if they ask me a question I don't understand? You know there's something that you can share about Jesus that nobody can share better than you, and that's your own personal testimony. Your own life story. When all else fails, just tell them what Jesus did for you to change your life. We have a responsibility to minister to the world, to live on mission in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, with our family. Let me put it another way. You know what our mission, Orchard Church, is? As believers in Jesus Christ, as the bride of Christ, our mission is to populate heaven and depopulate hell. Amen? Come on. That's our mission. That we rescue people from darkness and separation from God. And, and, and one of the reasons why God laid this message on my heart to share at this time is because what I don't want to have happen is that now that we have a building and a facility that we just kick back and think, well, we've arrived. You know, and have an us for no more attitude. I know we're a lot more than four, but you know what I mean. That, that we just think, well, you know, this is it. In the first 12 years of Orchard's existence, going from four people in an apartment living room to what it is today and now being in this facility, in the first 12 years, we saw over 5,000 people put their faith and trust in Christ, over 1,000 people go public with their faith in believer's baptism, and over 500 people discipled, and we planted, we birthed two churches. Can we praise God for that? That's what happened in the first 12 years. But how many of you, like me, believe that God is not finished with Orchard Church? God is just getting started. And, and to whom much is given, much is required. And now we have this incredible facility. We're established in this community. We have this tool. We want to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. So I'm going to ask you guys to take something out uh, that's in your newsletter, this vision card. You, you also received that in your newsletter today. Take this out. This is something that our staff has been working on, praying about for months, leading up to us moving into this new building. And we said, you know, God, what do you want to do with Orchard Church in the days to come? We didn't look five years down the road. We didn't look 10 years down the road. We just looked three years down the road. From now to the end of 2020. And God gave us what we're calling our 2020 vision. By the end of the year 2020, we believe that we can see 5,000 more people come to know Jesus Christ, over 1,500 people baptized, and we want to start at least one more Orchard Church location in the next three years. Does that get anybody excited besides me? Can, can we get excited about that? We believe we can see God do more in the next three years than what we saw him do in 12 years. And these are big numbers. I know these are scary numbers. These numbers started out much lower, but we all as, as a, a leadership team said, that's not a step of faith. That's not a step of faith. Then we came up with these numbers and we said, that's a step of faith. And because we, the just, shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and it's been a journey of faith for 12 years and all that Orchard has done. We want to continue to be on a journey of faith. Amen? We don't want to feel like, well, now that we have a building, we've arrived, we got this down. No. And we're asking you guys to take these cards, put them somewhere in your Bible, um, on your refrigerator, pray about these. And what is your part 
in helping us fulfill this God-given vision that he's given to us for the next three years. And, and to make this very tangible today and practical, we're going to ask you to do something else. Um, there on this card, you found three sticky notes. You guys have those? Three sticky notes. Here's what we're going to ask you to do with these three sticky notes. We're going to ask you to think about three people in your sphere of influence that don't know Jesus. And we're going to ask you to write their name on each of these sticky notes. Three different people. You may know their name. You may not know their name. It might be barista at Starbucks. It might be the person that checks you out at King Supers. It might be new neighbor that just moved in that you haven't even met yet. But who are three people in your sphere of influence that you would say, I want to help them find and follow Jesus in the next year. I want to be a part of this God-given mission. As you're thinking about that, you've got an opportunity Already, next week, we're kicking off a brand new Christmas series, three-week series called Christmas Carols. It's a great time to invite your friends, family members, coworkers. A lot of people, if they're going to go to church, it's at Christmas time. It's a very encouraging, uplifting series. You'll be glad you invited people to that. You can do that next week. And then we've got Christmas Eve coming up. Now, this year, we're doing something different. We're, we're going to not only have a Christmas Eve service, we're going to have a Christmas Eve Eve service. So we're going to have a Christmas Eve Eve service on Saturday night, and then we're going to have four Christmas Eve services on Sunday, Christmas Eve. We've given you invite cards. Give those to people. Uh, statistics say that, that about 80% of people that are invited to a Christmas Eve service will come. These are all ways for us to help people find and follow Jesus because we want to live on mission for him. So here's what I ask you to do right now. In an attitude of prayer, would you just bow in prayer and ask God, if he hasn't already, to lay three people on your heart in your sphere of influence. And when you have those three people Write them on those sticky notes. And in just a moment, I'm going to have us all stand. And in an act of worship, our worship team is going to lead us. I'm going to ask you to take those sticky notes. When you came in today, if you look around, there are reserve seats that are around you. There's little cards that say reserve. Those are symbolic, representing the people that we want to help find and follow Jesus that we're reserving those seats for. And we're going to ask you to take those sticky notes and just put them somewhere on that seat, dedicating those names and those lives to people you're going to help find and follow Jesus. So think about that right now. Be writing those down. And I'm going to ask you now, let's, let's stand as we're going to sing a song of worship together. Have your sticky notes ready. When you're ready, you can go. This, listen, this is not the end of our service. Please do not leave. Uh, we've got some other things to, to wrap up with. This is part of our service. This is part of our worship experience today. So as we sing a song of worship to the Lord today, take those sticky notes and put them on a chair around you guys. Would you be seated quietly in an attitude of prayer? As you're being seated, let's pray together. Father, we come to you now and we recognize and we are reminded in the truth of this song that if God is for us, who can be against us? And we know that the vision that you've given this church to reach thousands more for you and to see them baptized and go public with their faith and to, to start other locations to reach more people in new communities that our enemy Satan is not happy about that. He doesn't like it. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Lord, we dedicate these names to you that you've laid on our heart, the names that you will lay on our heart, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, our fellow students, that barista, Starbucks, that person that checks out our groceries, a person that maybe does our lawn, whoever it is that you put it in our sphere of influence and path, Lord, we pray that we would live on mission to help them find and follow you. 
And in the same way that you've lifted us up, we pray that we would lift people up and out of separation from you for all eternity. Thank you that we get to be a part of your amazing, redemptive, life-changing plan. As we just continue right now in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. You know, we talked today about our vision and helping people find and follow Jesus as our mission. And maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We'd, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. It would be a tragedy today to talk about helping people find and follow Jesus and, and not give you an opportunity to do that. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, God's doing something in my heart and life. It's, it's time for me to invite Jesus into my life. I, I, I never realized that he loved me that much, that he loved me so much. He loved me like a, a husband loves his wife. Uh, he loved me like a bride. He, he died for me to have a relationship with me. And I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today, to invite him into your life. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to come up. You don't have to speak up. You don't have to do anything like that. You just have to be willing by faith to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And one of the ways we call on him is through prayer. And I want to lead some of you right now in a prayer of faith. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words that we say. It's not the prayer that saves us and forgives us. It's our faith. And if you're ready to place your faith and trust in Jesus today, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's and say yes to Jesus today. You know who you are. If that's you today, would you pray this with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I want to say yes to you today. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. Thank you for loving me and dying for me. Thank you, Jesus. I accept you today. Thank you. So we continue with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But it, I would love the privilege as the pastor of Orchard Church. If you just prayed that prayer, I'd love to pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus. So right now, if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip up your hand all across the auditorium so I can pray for you? God bless you over here. Yes, amen. God bless you here. Amen. God bless you right here, sir. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. One, two, three, four, five. A whole family over here together. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. Father, we just lift up all those that are saying yes to you today as Lord and Savior. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray that they grow in the grace and knowledge of you. And Lord, we thank you for the reminder today to not just do church, but be the church and to live on mission for you, for your honor, for your glory, and for our good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those saying yes to Jesus today? Amen. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ just now, you raised your hand, you said yes to Jesus, that's the most important decision you could ever make. Please let us know about that on your connection card. Give us your contact information. Check that box that says, I said yes to Jesus. Drop it in the offering bucket so we can continue to pray for you by name. We'll also send you a booklet in the mail uh, that we put together that says, um, I said yes. And it'll help you in your walk with the Lord. If you're a first-time guest today, thanks so much for being our guest at Orchard Church. Hopefully you filled out that guest connection card and you can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in you. And if you drop that in the bucket, I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail just thanking you for being our guest. Uh, next Sunday, you're going to want to be here. Invite someone to be with you. Our new Christmas series called Christmas Carols. It's going to be very encouraging and uplifting. Uh, thank you guys again, those of you who were here last week, entering the east, leaving to the west. That helped tremendously. Do that again uh, this week. We're going to continue to do that to keep the flow of traffic uh, going 
doing well. And so um, we appreciate that, your help with that. Also want to remind you that our first baptism in our new building during our worship service is going to happen in two weeks on December 10th, right here during worship. It's going to be historic baptism. It's going to be so exciting. So if you've been praying about, thinking about uh, following the Lord and going public with your faith in baptism, sign up today on your connection card or drop by the baptism booth in the lobby. They'll answer all your questions. Uh, but are you guys excited about having live baptisms in our service? This is going to be awesome. You don't want to miss that. In two weeks, in all of our services, it's going to be an incredible weekend as people go public with their faith. Let's stand right now as we close again in a song of worship to our great God. We also will worship through our giving because we want to be a church that acts its ways by giving first, saving second, and living on the rest. I love you, Orchard Church. I'll see you next week. Now go and live on mission for Jesus Christ.